Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan. It's always great to get to host uh, the podcast with Pastor Christian. We're in the uh, last month of a year that is unlike any year we've experienced. Uh, it's December. It's Christmas time uh, on Sunday. Uh, you start a special Christmas series, and we're in we're, we're in Matthew chapter one. It's a a message titled "Promises and Presence." This new series has a premise like the last one, and it is to celebrate Christmas as the season that we remember and leverage the fact that God is with us because of Jesus. As we jump in the message, as always, we really hope to help activate some people's faith who are listening. Um, but first, do I dare ask? Has Alex seen Tombstone? We may have to. So leave I'm going to tell room. you, you're not looking at him because okay. he's behind you. Is he looking? His something reaction up? to that question, putting both <laughs> hands on his head and having oh, his no. head sink down, tells me that the answer is no. Alex, I'm guessing the answer is is no. It was not a happy Thanksgiving at the Burns household watching Tombstone. Maybe over Christmas break we'll get there. I hope so. I'm thinking one late night, the wife goes to bed, pop in Tombstone, man. (laughs) Newlywed, they're just watching romantic movies all the time together, I guess. (laughs) Okay, all right. That's all right. We forgive you. Uh, We're at the beginning of the series. Um, Pastor Christian, will you unpack the series premise for us so we know kind of how to focus our hearts and minds as we dive in? really to the first few chapters of the book of Matthew. So around 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophet arose in Israel named Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied during the reigns of the longest king of Israel. Um, So Uzziah was a king for 52 years. Isaiah, in the year he died, Isaiah began his prophecy. Um, His son Ahaz was a really, really bad guy. Um, You get into the, the, I think it's Uzziah and then Jotham was his son, and then Ahaz was his son. These guys were really bad guys spiritually. Then Hezekiah was Ahaz's son. He prophesied through through all of their reigns. And in Isaiah chapter 7, he's prophesying in, in the reign of Ahaz. We talk about this in our message on Sunday. Um, and Ahaz is facing, um, he's facing a military defeat from two armies that had come together. Um, the armies of Aram, which is modern-day Syria, and the army of, of northern Israel at the time, Israel was a divided country. The northern half was called Israel. The southern half was called Judah. They'd come against him, and they, they were threatening to defeat him, which would have removed from, um, from Israel the throne of David, like the lineage of David, who we talked about in the series. David was promised to have an ancestor eventually that would rule on the throne of Israel, that would rule the eternal and forever kingdom of God. So for the for the line of David to go away, that's a that's a that's a bad deal for the line of David to go away for the Jews who were looking for a savior to come through that line. And Ahaz sent word to the prophet and said, Hey, what's like what's gonna happen here? Are they gonna defeat me? And if they defeat me, do all God's promises go away? And Isaiah said in Isaiah seven fourteen that the virgin is going to conceive and she's going to bear a son. And they're going to call his name Emmanuel. And within the next year in Israel, in Isaiah chapter 7, um, Ahaz actually had a son, but his name wasn't Emmanuel. So you say, well, wait a minute, what did, what did that prophecy mean? Isaiah had to be speaking longer term, and he was saying, listen, from your line, from the tribe of Judah, from, um, from the tribe of Judah, from the line of David, a king is going to be born, and they're going to call him more than a name. 
this king is literally going to be God with people. Uh, And Israel had been looking forward to that king coming, not just a king who would rule, but a king who would bring the presence of God to his people. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 says that when the announcement of Jesus was made to his mother and father that he was going to be born, that the angel Gabriel quoted Isaiah and said, let me, let me tell you who your son's going to be. Your son is going to be the one to fulfill this prophecy. A virgin's going to conceive, give birth to a son. Um, and pe- people are going to call him Emmanuel. You say, well, that wasn't Jesus' name. No, it wasn't his name. But when Jesus came, people around the world started looking at him and saying, God is with us. And, f- and for those of us living through the year 2020, because Jesus came, God is with us. And Isaiah gave that prophecy, Isaiah 7, 14, in a year very much like 2020. Everything was going wrong, but Isaiah said, don't worry, God is with us. And the angel Gabriel gave that line to Mary and Joseph in a 2020 type year. Everything was going wrong. And the angel said, don't worry, God is with us. And Jesus would tell his disciples before he left, don't worry, in the world you're going to have trouble, but don't worry, I'm going to give you my my peace. I am with you. So I think this series at it, it, this month, I mean, it's easy to celebrate this series at Christmas because it is the, it is the Christmas story. Um, it is the story of Jesus being born. But I think the truth is maybe more needed this year, at this time and this year, than most Christmas. Now, Christmas is always fun, but I think this year is a good year to remind people at Christmas, God is still with us. Because of Jesus, God is with us. And I think that's the significance of this series in this year. It's a series we knew we were going to do a long time ago, um, but it just so happened to be probably the spiritual truth we needed to be reminded of in this season. The Apostle Paul said the first line of spiritual defense that we can wear is the belt of truth. And the truth is that God is with us because of Jesus. So, man, it gives great comfort and peace to our hearts, but it, but it has to, that has to be a truth that we leverage during this season to help others who are panicking and losing all hope. Listen, calm down. God is with us through Jesus. And if you know him, you can have peace. The series will be a, a great reminder, as well as I think people are enjoying you teaching through the book of Matthew, um, which will, you know, I want to kind of talk about the author a little bit through the lens of, you know, as you mentioned in the sermon, the disciple Matthew would have been maybe the most educated disciple. Um, we actually watched as a family the chosen again over over break. It was great to see that character again. But he may have also been the most hated uh, because of what he did for a living. Uh, Matthew then experiences, as we know, the grace, forgiveness of Jesus, probably in awe that someone as hated as him could serve with Jesus to reach others. Uh, This same man then writes down the speckled genealogy of Jesus. Why, why is this honest and accurate genealogy so important in the story of redemption? Yeah, so we make we make two historical assumptions um, about Matthew that, that 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 both have some some meat on them um, that that leads leads us to say we believe Matthew was probably when it came to Judaism the most educated of the disciples. One, Mark and Luke, who both wrote biographies about Jesus and his disciples, referred to him as Levi, not Matthew. That was his Hebrew name. Uh, which means it's 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 most likely he he was a Levite. He came from the um, from the tribe of Levi, which means he had been raised to serve in ministry. The Levites were the temple ministers. It's they were the priestly class. Um, so you look at Matthew, who was known as Levi, and you would say probably he 
in his early childhood and went went through a lot of religious education specifically in terms of temple ministry in in Old Testament Judaism then when you look at his book and you realize that he referenced Old Testament scripture more than Mark Luke and John combined you say yeah this guy there's no doubt he had a tremendous education and learning in Old Testament scriptures that allowed him to to see the Messiah in in a way that was very very unique um, among an ed- educated Jewish person. But then, yeah, he's a tax collector. Um, he's a guy working at a roadside stand, working for the government government of Rome, who said, "I'd rather take money for the people from myself than take sacrifices from the people to connect them to God. I I want to help people be right with Rome more than I want to help them be right with God." It's like, man, what happened in this guy's life? Somehow he drifted away. But then Jesus called him back. It's interesting in his genealogy, he, he does two things. One, he, um, he mentions the, the ugly part of Jesus' story. One of the reasons that, that, uh, people who believe the Bible believe it's true when they look at it a little closer is, is because it includes the ugly parts of life. If this were just a mythological story, if somebody were trying to make up a story to make Jesus look really good, it, it would look like social media. They wouldn't include the, like the bad days. They wouldn't in, include the, the hard to explain parts of his story, but Matthew's genealogy does. Um, it includes some really bad spiritual moments, um, and the really, and, and some really dark sides of spiritual life in his genealogy. It also does something that would have almost made an educated Jewish man, um, or a, a Jewish government official throw it away before they got through the first chapter because he lists the names of four women. Um, a lot of times, you know, women's names couldn't even be recorded in public documents because they didn't have the same status as men. And when you look at the women's name that, that Matthew, um, gave in the genealogy, the first woman's name that he gave was Tamar, who, I mean, you talk about a sordid story. Her husband died. And because her father-in-law refused to take care of her when he was in his older age, she she became a prostitute and tricked him into sleeping with her so she would get pregnant with his son. Um, and Matthew says that like that ki- that kid was the one who ended up being related to Jesus, you know, Ju- Judah and Tamar. Um, he tells us the story of Rahab, who didn't pretend to be a prostitute; she was a prostitute. Um, but she trusted in the God of Israel and was, and was welcome into the Israeli families. Like, yeah, Jesus is related to, um, he's related to her too. He, he tells us that Ruth is a part of Jesus family line. Ruth wasn't even Israeli. She was from Moab. Um, she was a, she was a, a widow who limped back to Israel, just trusting that the God of Israel might take care of her. And then he ended with Mary, who wasn't even legally married when she got pregnant. Like, you look at this genealogy and you're like, if you were starting a book that you wanted people to really invest in because of the spiritual character of it, like you've, unless you were speaking to sinners in need of a savior, you would have lost any self-righteous person in the first chapter. Because like, whoever this guy is, my, like his his family tree, his family reunion, his Thanksgiving last week, has some characters at it, man. I mean, like there's there's some characters in the story of Jesus, but it invites us in the very early verses of his life to connect with 
sinners in need of a savior. It, co- it connects us to broken people in need of a healer. It connects us to um, to a dark world in need of a light. And at the end of it, at the beginning and at the end, we meet Jesus, the Messiah, um, which turns turns he heals broken things. He turns backward things around. He he lifts up those who are down. He brings down those who are too high on themselves. Like he is the one who sets life like it should have been in the Garden of Eden, like it one day will be in the Garden of God's in 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 heaven. It is, like you said, it's a great reminder as we come into Christmas, if you're wondering who do I who do I invite and who needs Jesus? Well, God desires all. I mean all you might think, well, I've got this family member, they're too far gone. Uh, no, <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, so just a great reminder for us that uh, Jesus desires all to, to come to know him. You talk about the Hebrew name of Jesus. I'll see if I can pronounce this correctly. Yeah, let's go. Here you go. Yeshua or Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Um, this is <laughs> Hamashiach. <laughs> He's not Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> I did, did kind of mess Yeshua it. Hamashiach. That that word. Yeshua Hamashiach. Hamashiach. Jesus the Messiah. Yes. Yeah. You said Matthew um, needs his readers to understand that Jesus checks the boxes of every yep. major promise God made his people. When it comes to biblical promises and fulfillment of prophecy, explain to our listeners the significance of this. Yeah, so if you go to Israel right now, you're 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 going to feel the tension of Israel because um, two groups of people representing two major world religions both think that the land of Israel is theirs because of a, a promise to a man named Abram. Um, two out of every three human beings on the planet have placed their faith in the fact that God spoke to a man named Abram. Like I told our people on Sunday, if you are living the life of faith, you're in the majority. It may not feel that way in America, but get past your American social media, get past the American majority or the American media. You are in the majority. If you believe God spoke to a man named Abram, you're in the majority because every Jew, every Muslim and every Christian alive Two out of every three people on the planet believe that. So, like, you're in the majority. Quit being ashamed. You're in the majority if you believe God spoke to Abraham. And and the the Muslims and the Jews prove how serious they think the promise God made to Abraham is because he he had he had a son by a concubine that was named Ishmael, and his people became what we know today as um, you know the, the modern day Muslims. His son Isaac through his wife Sarah became the father of what we now know um, as as the Israeli or the or the Jewish people. Um, connecting Jesus to the promise of Abram, I mean, like two out of every three people in the world are trusting what God said to Abram, that I'm going to bless you, and through your family, the whole world is going to be blessed, and, and they're going to be a blessing. Matthew, Matthew opens his genealogy, written to Jewish people by saying that, like, this is the story of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Um, Bar David, son of David, Bar Avraham, son of Abraham. That, like, when you read the first line, you're like, holy cow, that's what we've been waiting on our whole, that's that's what we've been waiting on our whole life. Two out of three people waiting for this, this thing from Abraham to bless them. Um, and then the Jewish people very specifically are looking for a king like David, 
to come finally reset Israel to their proper place. And Matthew says, this is, this is him. This is Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In AD 70, we showed some pictures. Again, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, don't be ashamed. You're in the majority. You have history on your side. You can today go to the Arch of Titus in Rome um, and in, in relief, in sculptures in the Arch of Titus, which I showed on Sunday. Um, they celebrate the conquest of Palestine in AD 70, AD 71. And in, and in relief on the Arch of Titus is, is, is a depiction of his soldiers carrying the menorah um, out, of, out of the temple um, in Israel. When, when, you, when you look at history, you realize you have history on your side when you follow Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. However, in AD 70, when Titus came and conquered Jerusalem, and they, they, they raised the temple that was there at the time, and they destroyed the city again, and it would never really be, it would never be what it was in that time to, to this day. Since that time, AD 70, AD 71, there have not been genealogy records kept in Israel. So there's not somebody alive today who can trace their lineage back to David and Abraham because they don't do that anymore. Uh, when we're in Israel, like I didn't, and I didn't, I didn't used to know this. I just thought, I just thought everybody knew what tribe they were from. When I would ask our tour guides and I would meet, you know, and I would meet even Jewish Christians um, and our ministry partners, and I would ask them what tribe are they from. People don't, they don't know that anymore. They don't, they don't know. So if somebody showed up today claiming to be the Messiah, I, I am the Messiah, they would have to prove that they were Jewish through the line of Abraham, that they were they were noble through the line of David. And that can't even be possible anymore. So it almost sets up from a historical perspective that the Messiah had to come before AD 70 because those two things, the Abrahamic covenant of Genesis 12, the Davidic covenant of 2 Samuel chapter 7, he had to meet those qualifications. Like he had to be that guy. And Jesus was not just that guy, but he also claimed to be the guy who also fulfilled the new covenant of Jeremiah chapter 31 when God said, you know, all these old laws that are written in stone are going to be replaced by a spirit that's going to write them in your heart, not on a tablet that you read with your eyes, but in your heart in a way that's going to change your soul. Jesus was Yeshua HaMashiach, Bar David, Bar Avraham. He was the Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he also said at the end of his life, I've come to give you a new covenant. He checked every box that the Old Testament said the Savior of the world would need to check. He did. And then he died and proved himself to be God by raising from the dead. And 2,000 years later, we continue to follow and proclaim that's who he was. But it all started at his birth, which we celebrate at Christmas. But it's a huge deal to be able to trace the covenants through the genealogies to the promises of God so that we could trust that Jesus was the presence of God. It's a great uh, great lineage and, and great um, thing for people to study, to understand a little bit more. Uh, it can be confusing, but once you kind of walk through it, boy, it really gives you some strength to your faith and understanding. It really does. Yeah. Listen, man, the, the American world, the, the American world, the American noise, the American media wants you to feel like a fool for believing in Jesus, for believing in the supernatural, which you, if you want to experience the presence of God, you have to believe in the supernatural. I would say, Pro- Proverbs would say, only the fool says in his heart, there is no God. I would say history is on your side, and I would say the global population is on your side. 
Nearly 70% of all human beings alive right now believe God spoke to a man named Abram. And history, every bit of history and every bit of archaeology you find will lend credibility to what you read in the Bible. Do not be ashamed. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You do not need to be ashamed in 2020 for placing your faith in Jesus. And I do not believe when you leave this earth and enter heaven, you'll be ashamed that you have done it. History is on your side. Truth is on your side. Truth seekers are on your side. You just keep following Jesus and cut through the noise. Amen. Great, great truth, because there is a lot of evidence, especially for those who've been to Israel. Every time we go, they have uncovered more things that, uh, as you said, back up what we believe. Yep. Uh, in the experiencing God presence portion of your message, you, you talk about three ways to do this. Simple trust in the supernatural, uh, spiritual community with our uh, with the Spirit-filled, and a son called Emmanuel. As an action step for our listeners, which one would you plead with them to experience? I think Spirit-filled community. So I was with a, um, I was with a couple from our, our church who was just walking, walking through some stuff a few weeks ago. And, and one of the members of the couple kept referencing a friend, their, their, first, their first phone call, the friend they always go to for advice, friend they always go to for truth. But then they start talking about that friend a little bit, and I could tell, I could just tell through the conversation that these two deeply devoted followers of Jesus, that one of them's, I mean, first counsel was not someone who followed Jesus or believed God's word. And I, and I told him, I said, you, as a follower of Jesus, man, you can love your, you can love your friend. You can have fun with your friend, but you like, if your first phone call as a follower, Jesus is not to somebody who the Holy Spirit in them will speak to the Holy Spirit in you through the Holy word of God, that's not going to go like, that's not going to go well. I had a phone call today with a um, man in our church who's pouring his life in the ministry at journey, but he has not stopped to let others pour into him. And I just thought like, ministry without community it just doesn't work you you like you got to get to the other end of the hose you're on the end that's always pouring out but you don't have anybody filling you up to me and especially with where our culture is and where we're going and how difficult i think i i I think it's it it, like we said there's always been a cost to following jesus but spiritual inflation is real it's going to cost more in the next five or ten years than it did the last five or ten years it's just going to, you're going to have a really, really hard time making it without spiritual community surrounding you, praying for you, loving you, being with you, speaking into you, encouraging you. Um, sometimes rebuke, like to me, spiritual community is, is the biggest thing. And there are too many Christians right now, um, living in spiritual isolation without, without spiritual community. And they're just not going to make it like they could make it with spiritual community if they don't pause their life, figure out how to do it. And, and engage in meaningful spiritual community. Great wisdom. And I, I really want to encourage you, those uh, who are listening, kind of an activate thought of how can I take my faith to maybe the next level is of these three things, uh, which of them do I really need to plug into? And I agree with you. And that's why we've developed Growth Track at our church, of course, right? Its intention is to help people to not only connect to community at our church, but to really discover their purpose and when you're serving alongside people who have like minds, you you yep. grow, you you get stronger. Yeah, and listen, the, I mean, the very in the very unique spiritual community of the Christmas story is that Joseph had Mary and Mary had Joseph. If either one of them 
um, would have been someone who was not willing to believe in the supernatural, like like games off, right? Yeah. If Joseph's like, I'm out, which he was going to be until God said, no, you're in. Would have been a different story if Mary would have been like, heck no, when Gabriel said, here's what's going to happen. And and then you double down and, and we find out that, you know, one of her relatives, Elizabeth, is an, is another piece of the spiritual community that just helped fortify a really weird supernatural thing that was happening that they just had to keep walking um, walking to in faith. So, man, for for our single people out there, um, you got to look at Mary and Joseph because if you're Joseph, if God speaks to your heart and you go to your Joseph and he's like, don't believe it, not willing to follow what God says to you, it's not going to work long term. And if you're Mary, um, you know, meaning if you're a guy and God speaks to your heart and you go tell your Mary, here's what I think God wants us to do. And she's like, eh, I don't believe in that. It's not going to work. So Joseph needs Mary. Mary needs Joseph. Then both of them needed family. They need a spiritual community come, to come around them. Every follower of Jesus needs the same thing now as they did then. Absolutely. Great, great wisdom. Uh, Pastor Christian, thanks again for the kickoff of this series. Really looking forward to it. December has always been a tremendous uh, month of impact for our church. Not only what we do in the community, uh, so many great things that our people are doing to show the love of Jesus, but also people inviting friends and family. So I want to encourage you to begin to do that. Start planning for one of our 12 Christmas services. Uh, it's really going to be a, a month that Jesus is, is lifted up, and, and we're going to point people to him all month long. I want to thank you for listening from wherever you are around the world. Be sure to tune in. We'd love to have you come either on a Sunday to one of our three morning services we have right now, 8, 9.30, or 11, or you can tune in online. Great options. Uh, our online ministry has been terrific resource, especially in this current season. Facebook Live, YouTube, JCI app, uh, or through our website. We'd love for you. You could really help us. It would be mean a lot to Pastor Christian and myself if you would share this with others, if you would rate it. That, uh, that would always uh, really, really bless this ministry. You can email us if you have a question or want to make a comment, activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.